welcome to the Best of the Left podcast, with clips today from Ring of Fire, Rachel Maddow, The Young Turks, and Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. Exactly two weeks ago, three detainees at the U.S. military prison at Guantanamo Bay, Cuba, were found dead in their maximum security cells. The three men, two Saudis and one Yemeni, who had hanged themselves using clothing and bedsheets. The suicides have intensified pressure on the Bush administration to close down Gitmo, or at the very least, to formally charge and try the detainees. Joining us now is Barbara Olshansky, Deputy Director of the Center for Constitutional Rights. Barbara is overseeing the petitions for habeas corpus on behalf of all of the 460 remaining detainees at Guantanamo. Barbara, thanks so much for joining us at Ring of Fire. Thank you for having me. Now, you are a true American hero. You, <laughs> you represent now all of the, the inmates at Guantanamo, yet you've never met them and you haven't been allowed there. Isn't that correct? Yes, that's correct. And you won the Supreme Court victory about Guantanamo. Describe that. Well, we brought that case in actually in February of 2002. And it was on behalf of two British men and two Australian men. And they came to us through various human rights groups. And the case caused quite a stir in our office. We didn't know who these folks were. And we had the administration saying that these were the worst of the worst. But we also had the administration saying that they were not going to follow the Geneva Conventions. They weren't going to give them any hearing to find out what they had done, whether they had been on the battlefield or not, whether they'd fired any shots or not, and nor were they going to give them any of the justice that we have in the United States. And we decided that we had to bring a lawsuit just to make sure that they reached a court of law, whether it was a military court or a civilian court, we didn't hold people indefinitely without giving them the right to talk about the legality of their detention. And that was our case. And it got up to the Supreme Court in June 2004, and the Supreme Court agreed with us. Now, at first you were considered a pro-terrorist pariah, but now <laughs> yeah. you receive standing ovations almost everywhere <laughs> you go. That's a striking change, isn't it? To what do you attribute that? I think people really now understand that the administration made quite a number of mistakes in its prosecution of the war on terror. It's finally come out in the press that in Guantanamo there's Camp Iguana where the children were kept and they were as young as seven and that there were many, many people that the United States has admitted were there incorrectly, that we had made an error, and that that was in part because we had paid bounties to people and said, if you turn somebody in that you think is a terrorist, we'll give you 3000 or $5,000. And so there are these huge classes of people that the United States Department of Defense now admits never belong there. And I think when people start seeing those errors in reality with a face that comes with them, you start to understand that maybe this wasn't the most carefully thought out response. The administration used the term enemy combatant to describe these people and to say that they don't have any rights. But that's not a term that's used in any international humanitarian war. They basically coined it themselves, correct? 
Yes, that's really the heart of the matter. I'm so glad that you said that because that phrase, it really means nothing because if you're a combatant, you know, you're a soldier. And if you're a soldier for the other side, of course, you're an enemy soldier or an enemy combatant. So all it means is a soldier for the other side. And that doesn't really mean anything in terms of our law or international law. But what the administration did is it said, well, we're giving this a different meaning. It didn't tell us what that different meaning was, but they used that meaning to create a category in which the president could use the commander-in-chief war powers in a whole range of areas that the Constitution doesn't permit and has never happened in history. And so the administration used the phrase enemy combatant to arrest Jose Padilla in Chicago O'Hare Airport when he was going to visit his son and keep him imprisoned without access to a court or a lawyer for three years. And he's an American citizen. And he used that same power behind the words enemy combatant to pick up people in Italy, in Belgium, in the Gambia, in Zambia, in places all over the world that had nothing to do with any battle, any military hostility, not even any articulated plan against the United States or any other country. But someone had said, maybe I think, and the president believes that this enemy combatant power, the power for indefinite detention, lies in his personal hand, in his grasp, and he can exercise it to pick up anyone at any time, any place in the world. They can pick up somebody off the street of New York? Yeah. Whenever I speak, I think people don't quite believe me, but what happened to Jose Padilla, he was picked up and put in that category. Remember, people said, oh, well, they accused him of being a dirty bomber. But then right away in court... They said, well, you know what, we think we made a mistake. We don't think he was going to do anything like that. And it took a long time for the press to catch up with the government throwing out those allegations. And then they said, well, we think he visited people in the Middle East. And then, well, those allegations didn't really mean anything. And so eventually the case went to criminal court. And now he's being accused of giving money to a charity that might have somewhere far along the line, you know, charities give to charities to charities, might have given money to an organization that they think might have terrorist connections. And that's all he's accused of now. And he was an American. The press still hasn't caught up with this, have they? No, you know, not really. There's kind of a vague feeling that he's guilty of something. You know, that's also one of the problems. This was one of the most fascinating moments for me in court, probably in my lifetime, I guess, was we had this marvelous judge in the beginning when we were first starting these cases after we won, you know, the cases to get a trial for people or just a hearing in court. And the judge, this wonderful judge, Joyce Green, she asked the government, well, let me take you through a hypothetical, you know, just like law school. (laughs) Suppose there's a Swiss grandma who is dying and wants to give her money to a charity for orphans in Afghanistan because she was an orphan. And so, you know, she thinks she's going to die soon. She gives all of her money to this orphanage. And somehow someone in the orphanage siphons off some of the money that somehow gets to an organization that's related to Hezbollah or some other banned organization. And the judge turns to the government and says, so what is she? And the government says, government lawyer says, she's an enemy combatant. 
And the judge says, and so the Swiss grandma goes to Guantanamo? And they said, yes. And at that point, everyone in the entire courtroom was just awestruck. And it was just amazing. some of the stories making headlines around the country and around the world this morning. But every day here on The Rachel Maddow Show, we do enjoy poking a sharp stick at the soft white underbelly of the right-wing scheme machine, (coughs) giving you a little peek at their political playbook. Uh, Today's underbelly political tactic uh, is uh, what I think is the big important thing lurking under the surface of yesterday's Supreme Court ruling, Uh, the hugely important Supreme Court ruling in the Hamdan case about Guantanamo. Uh, And that tactic is the right wing political tactic uh, called court stripping. Uh, You have heard me rail about the George W. Bush presidency uh, as a power grab, right? The effort to make the president into a king, to elevate him above the courts, above the Congress, above the law. And and it's one thing for the White House to do this, for Bush and Cheney to do this. We've got a whole special show about uh, the recent history of the power grab, uh, the the roots of Dick Cheney's philosophy on this in the the Iran-Contra scandal. Special show coming up on this on, on Tuesday, on July 4th. And, you know, so it's one thing for Bush and Cheney to do this. We kind of know that this is their agenda to sign these signing statements that secretly say that they're not going to obey the law, to to secretly claim the right to torture people despite laws against it, to, to secretly break the laws that say you can't spy on Americans without a court order. It's one thing for the White House, which we know has this agenda. It's one thing for the White House to do that stuff, to make one branch of government super powerful, to just claim that power, which it constitutionally doesn't have. Power grab. But there's another part of this dynamic that some Democrats are even helping with that hasn't really been politicized, that certainly hasn't been made so much a partisan issue that Democrats are paying any sort of price for jumping on the bandwagon here. And it's something that is just as dangerous to our constitutional democracy as as Bush putting on his Burger King crown and proclaiming himself above the law. And that is the devaluation of the courts, stripping power from the courts, saying that the courts can't rule on certain areas of the the, the government's activities. Right. When the Supreme Court ruled in Hamdan yesterday, they crushed one of the right wing arguments in favor of this legal black hole that we've set up in Guantanamo. And that that right wing argument that they crushed was that the Supreme Court, which after all is called the Supreme Court, The Supreme Court does not have the jurisdiction to rule on what the U.S. government does to prisoners at Guantanamo. That was the right wing argument that the court has no jurisdiction. Right. So the court has no jurisdiction and Congress either has no jurisdiction or no interest in regulating that, depending on on who you ask. The public has no right to know about it. And so the president just gets to do whatever he wants because he says he wants to do it. And he's the president. There's no law that constrains him. He's the king. That's the right wing argument here. The Supreme Court killed that argument yesterday, which is why the ruling is so important. The Supreme Court said that the Detainee Treatment Act is unconstitutional. 
Now, it would be one thing if this was just, you know, another right wing ploy, another White House power grab. Right. But if you are a fan of the Rachel Maddow show, if you know anything about my feelings on this subject, you know that I have been yelling for months about how Democrats have pushed this thing, too. If you go the thing that they ruled unconstitutional yesterday, right, the detainee treatment act. If you look at that, if you look at the freaking detainee treatment act, which is now unconstitutional, illegal, moot. If you go look at that act, it was Democratic Senator Carl Levin who wrote the freaking language that says that if you're at Guantanamo, then you are outside the jurisdiction of U.S. courts. It was a Democratic senator who co-sponsored that legislation and wrote that language that said, if you are a prisoner at Guantanamo, the courts can't rule on anything that we do to you. The U.S. government can do anything they want to you, and the U.S. government and their actions are unreviewable by U.S. courts. This is a pernicious, anti-American, and now officially unconstitutional, right-wing political tactic. This is why I say right-wing political tactic and never Republican political tactic, because sometimes if these things are not screamed about enough, if they're not politicized enough, if they're not made partisan issues, if there aren't people ranting about them enough on talk radio, then Democrats do them, too. It's a fact that court stripping effect kills off one of the three branches of government. It strips the courts of their ability to rule on stuff. It says this area of the government's actions are outside the realm of things that the court can consider. It's immune from consideration from from the courts. Think about what that means, though. What's why is the court an equal branch of government? Right. There's the executive branch. There's the legislative branch. That's Congress. They make the laws. And there's the courts. Why are the courts an equal branch of government? They are an equal branch of government. Their job is to make sure that our laws fit within the Constitution. We're a constitutional democracy. Congress makes the laws. The president executes the laws, right? Make sure they're carried out. And it is the courts that reviews the laws to make sure they are in accordance with the Constitution. So if you take the courts out of it, you're taking the Constitution out of it. You are literally saying that there are things that the U.S. government can do where the Constitution does not apply, is not relevant, that we are no longer a constitutional democracy, that that's not the foundation of who we are as Americans. We're England, right? No written constitution with a king. That's, a, that's what court stripping is. That's how serious it is. That's, that's as, as fundamental a principle you can get if your idea, if the whole idea of why you're a public servant is to defend our constitutional democracy. Court stripping may not get all the publicity, right? But it is a really scary right-wing political tactic. It has not been politicized the way that some of the other stuff has been. It has not been made a partisan issue. It's not been, it's not something that Democrats are held to account for falling in line and doing the right thing on this, and that's a crime. When, When Democrats, when otherwise reasonable Democrats, people like Senator Carl Levin, Sign on to a pernicious tactic like this. I honestly believe, I honestly believe that we deserve an apology from them. I think that Carl Levin needs to apologize for the Detainee Treatment Act, which he co-sponsored, which the Supreme Court struck down yesterday and said is unconstitutional, for telling the courts and therefore the Constitution to get out of what our government does to its prisoners. Carl Levin, you may be a Democrat. You may not have been held to account for participating in this up until now, but now that that has been ruled unconstitutional... You need to apologize. If Democrats aren't there to protect the Constitution, honestly, there's no need for a freaking Democratic Party. Look at Earth from outer space. 
on a couple of notes here. Uh, first of all, the third big story we never really quite got to. I want to at least touch on it here uh, There was uh, to let you know what's happening today. Uh, there was a decision handed down by the Supreme Court uh, earlier today on the Guantanamo Bay situation, and it was a very positive ruling. It was five to three, and the Supreme Court said, no, the executive branch doesn't just get to make up a whole new set of laws for these so-called enemy combatants and these detention centers. So, oh, well, you know, we'd like to try them by our own rules. And Justice John Paul Stevens, that liberal, said, hey, listen, here's a great idea. Why don't you try him with the rules we already have and the laws we already have? How about military tribunals? We're not asking for much. We're asking you to follow military law. I mean, can't... It's not like we're saying, hey, listen, get the ACLU down there and make sure we follow, you know, strict uh, civilian law here. Just, is it too much to ask? And, of course, the administration reacts angrily today saying, well, we'll see what we can do about it. Maybe yes, maybe no. Uh, of course, Bush has his usual goofy answers for it. JR, do you have the, the Bush clips on that? Let's see if we can uh, bring that up. The usual unintelligible uh, ramblings of our president in, in response to this. Is it ready? Here it is. Here's your president. No anyway, we will seriously look at the findings, obviously. And um, one thing I'm not going to do, though, is I'm not going to jeopardize the safety of the American people. Oh, I see. People got to understand that. I understand we're in a war on terror, that uh, these people were picked up off of a battlefield. And I, I, I will protect the people and at the same time conform with the findings of the Supreme Court. I will protect the people. What? The guy, Make a sentence. The, the guy defaults to the message, boy. you got to give him that. I know, but... Talk about the Supreme Court decision. He can't even say the word Supreme Court. He says, I protect the people. We're in a war. I protect people. Evil and I doers. Law. Evil doers. I'll do anything I can. They would pick up on a battlefield. To fight hate and bring good. And uh, finally, here he is again, one more time, to bring more. I want to find a way Sorry. forward. In other words, I have told the people that I would like for there to be a way to return uh, people from Guantanamo to their home countries. But some of them, people need to be tried in, in our courts. And uh, that's, that's what they want. Everyone is people. That's exactly what they want. <laughs> but that's what the Supreme Court said. Yeah, they got to be tried in our courts. These people these, are dying for a trial. <laughs> I know these people, and they're bad. That's terrible. That's but terrible, I talk to other people, and and they're scared. But I want to return people to their own people. <laughs> this is this is just sad. By the way, in this situation with the, these detainees no one has ever given a good answer to this question i mean obviously the president's not capable Bush of did. it uh but you know what the supreme court says is not i mean it's obviously a correct decision but it's not a complete answer the answer is i mean what are we going to do court martial them court martial them for what they were fighting against us what are we going to do return them they were fighting against us and the war's never going to be over so uh, to be fair it's not an easy question. And I'm being serious about, to be fair to the administration, it's not like, hey, yeah, court-martial, et cetera, or bring him to Pennsylvania and try him under Pennsylvania law. And it's, it's, and it's not it also return him, that's for sure. But unfortunately, instead of trying to come up with an intelligent answer, and one, again, the Supreme Court says rightly, one crafted together with Congress and with a law that's actually passed, the administration says, 
Ah, laws, I don't need laws. Congress, I don't need Congress. International raw, rules and laws, I don't need that either. I'm just going to make up blah, military tribunal. See, in this country, we're not supposed to make up, or we are supposed to make up laws. Congress does that. Yeah, There's but an you actual see, job. in the process of making up a law, you need to discuss the specifics of who these people are and how they ended up there. And in that process, you end up with all kinds of holes in why they're there to begin with. So uh, I don't think that they really want to discuss that. Well, yeah, and in any law that Congress makes up, the Bush administration just like... We'll interpret that our own way. Thanks for playing. Well, they're already saying that. They're all, that's the way they're looking for circumventing this now. Mm-hmm. But, but uh, yeah, look, I wonder, the when president, are they just going to get so, rid of Congress? So, but, you know, Jill makes a, a point here, uh, very, uh, you know, just totally out of sheer coincidence, makes a correct point, uh, <laughs> which is... The signing statements. No, the, the president is not, by the very nature of our Constitution and our democratic system, is not allowed to come up with laws. He's supposed to execute the laws. He's not supposed to uh, make the laws. But he Congress doesn't, he doesn't make, make the, the laws. laws. He interprets them into new laws. Yeah, here. That's the brilliance of his game. Unfortunately, that's what's happened. And what, today, the great ruling by the Supreme Court is you're not allowed to do that. By the way, the people who voted against that ruling, what did we tell you? We didn't do a 99-hour filibuster for nothing. Right. Sam Alito was yeah. like, yeah, yeah, the president, whatever power yeah. he likes. <laughs> yeah, c- Congress, who needs it? You want to make up laws? Make up laws. And uh, Clarence Thomas was so, and Roberts would have voted for it, too, but he had to take himself out of the case because he had voted it, uh, in the earlier ruling when he was in the lower district court. Anyway, and then Scalia, uh, I'm sorry, Clarence Thomas is so moved for the, by this, for the first time, in his whole tenure on the Supreme Court, he read his opinion out loud. He's like, I'm telling you, you got to let the president do whatever he wants because uh, I don't want to write any more opinions. You know, I'm tired out here. Just let him do something, and then we can just retire. I'm really jealous of Sandra Day O'Connor. any gold worth panning for among today's top stories. Eureka! The first story on today's Rachel Maddow show front page is the gigantically important, historic, big deal Supreme Court ruling yesterday. Uh, in just a minute, I'm going to be interviewing the first civilian lawyer to ever have visited Guantanamo to find out what she thinks is the practical significance of the ruling. Uh, but here's the facts that you need to know about this. Guantanamo was basically set up by the U.S. so that prisoners we picked up abroad would not have access to the U.S. court system. It was a way of keeping them outside the law. And in 2004, Sandra Day O'Connor wrote an opinion for the Supreme Court that said, you know, you don't actually have a blank check to do legally whatever you want 
in terms of the war on terror. But there has been this legal black hole for those prisoners, even though in theory there was no blank check. Really, from the perspective of people imprisoned at Guantanamo, that's what it seemed. The prisoners at Guantanamo, some of them have been there for almost five years. They haven't been charged, have had no trials. They've had no opportunity to argue that they're innocent. About 10 of the 500-odd, 400-odd prisoners that are there have gone through this fake court system, these military tribunals set up by Bush. And yesterday, in a 5-3 to three court, the 5-3 to three ruling, the court said those fake tribunals, that kangaroo court system that Bush set up, that is illegal. Uh, they said that those trials violate American military law and violate the Geneva Conventions. The big picture here, the potentially big impact of this, is that the court is saying that the White House can't break the law. That this is a country ruled by laws, not by men, and the executive branch is not above the law. It's potentially hugely important. It could affect the NSA spying thing. It could affect torture. It could affect signing statements. It could affect all these areas where they have tried to expand presidential power beyond the law. That said, the devil is in the details, and there are real human beings whose lives are at stake who are at Guantanamo right now. Here's what I want to know. Uh, Bush, as you know, has said that he wants to close the Guantanamo. We would like to end. Uh, the Guantanamo. We'd like it to be empty. We would like the Guantanamo to be empty. He said that June 9th. He said that he was waiting for the Supreme Court to rule on Guantanamo. Well, now they've ruled uh, and said that the trial system set up there is illegal. So they asked uh, presidential flautist and White House spokesman uh, Tony Snow about that yesterday. This will not mean closing down Guantanamo. Hmm. There's nothing in this opinion that dictates closing down Guantanamo. All right. That's what Tony Snow said yesterday. I'm sure you've had time, plenty of time to whip through all the decisions, all the uh, all the rulings yesterday, all the writing about it, all the dissents and find out exactly that that's uh, that that's the case. But here are my questions. Does this court ruling mean that Guantanamo has to be closed? Why can't those prisoners be tried in normal U.S. courts? Congress, the Republicans in Congress are already saying, we've got to keep those prisoners out of the civilian courts. We've got to set up different military tribunals that will be legal to try them there. Why can't those prisoners be tried in normal U.S. courts? And since only 10 of the more than 400 prisoners have ever even gone through those kangaroo tribunals, what happens to all of the others? serious topics. Uh, the Supreme Court made a heroic and correct decision yesterday in the Guantanamo Bay case. We talked a little bit about it on the show yesterday uh, where they said to the president, basically, um, how about you follow the law? How about that? And of course, there were three justices who were like, eh, law, law. who needs the law? The president can do whatever he likes. Did we call it a democracy? We didn't mean a democracy. We'll talk more about the details of that with our next guest, 
and also a little bit later in the show as well. Yeah, uh, Commander uh, Harlan Ullman joins us now, Senior Advisor to Johns Hopkins Center for Strategic International Studies. Uh, he's also a commentator for BBC, Fox, and Al Jazeera, and a columnist for the Washington Times. Sorry to may, hear that. Yeah, which makes me incredibly dubious, but uh, this guy has uh, certainly the credentials. Uh, uh, he's also written his new book, is America's Promise Restored, Preventing Culture, Crusade, and Partisanship from Wrecking Our Nation. Uh, Commander, uh, welcome to the Young Turks. Uh, thank you. Just, I'd rather be called Doctor or Harlan. Okay. That was a long time ago when I was in the, the great U.S. Navy. All right. Well, uh, we will call you uh, either one. You pick one, Doctor or Harlan. What's Harlan is fine, guys. All right, Harlan. Well, welcome to the Young Turks, Harlan. My pleasure. Um, uh, for the you talk in the book a bit about uh, uh, Guantanamo Bay, correct? Or at least you bet. And yeah. torture and uh, enemy combatants and. Uh, uh, the huge mistakes that this government has made. All right, well, tell us about, then, your reaction yesterday upon hearing the uh, Supreme Court's uh, decision. I'm not surprised. Uh, the decision could have been a lot tougher, but in these matters, the Supreme Court usually understates the issues. Um, there are two big, I think, things here that people have to understand. First, uh, I believe that the administration, this administration, uh, acts um, more based on uh, commander-in-chief powers of a war. And by the way, if this is a declared war, we really have a very funny way of showing it. The only department that I know is at war is the Department of Defense, but nobody else is. So this whole notion of a declared war strikes me as uh, well, let me, a let bit me, strange. I don't want to cut off your answer. Continue with your answer. But, but let me just, let me well, just say what, what the, other... an absence of facts is really what counts here. Since 1977, because of drug trafficking, we have been monitoring bank accounts through the so-called SWIFT, that's the Society of Worldwide Financial Transfers. This is not news. Uh, George Bush in the 2004 election talked about this. But the real ignorance is that anybody who knows anything about al-Qaeda and about the Arab world knows that money transfer is done through Hawala, which is a system of very personal uh, situations where an individual A knows individual B who says, pass the money on, on I'll take care of it. Mm -hmm. They don't use wire transfers. And so this whole notion of SWIFT uh, it may uncover some things. It's been done in the war against drugs, but it has very, very little relevance to the war on terror. We knew better, so I think that... Uh uh, this is just a sign of uh, a lack of factual knowledge. And the same thing was true in the case in Gitmo. Well, let me uh, ask you then, uh, Then, uh, is there anything new about what the Bush administration is doing, or is it identical to what we've been doing since 1977, just regarding the tracking of uh, financial it, transactions? It's more, it's, more, it's more expansive in terms of financial tracking, where it's much more uh, expansive is in domestic surveillance or domestic spying. Right. We've seen that in terms of the Federal Intelligence Surveillance Act, where I think that they have, in fact, uh, broken the law. And we've seen that in other records. The question is what else are they doing uh, besides Internet. Now, let me make a point here. The issue is not whether the government should be doing this. You can make a case. The issue is oversight, and Congress has either been derelict or absent without leave in failing to provide uh, oversight. And you either do it with the courts, you do it with, I argue, for an independent commission confirmed by the Congress, the Senate. Sure. But you need oversight, and that's the problem. There's no oversight. Whether Congress awakes or not from its long sleep remains to be seen. Dr. Ullman, let me ask you a quick, quick yeah. question here about Guantanamo Bay. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I, I simplify it by saying, basically, these military tribunals are made up. There is no uh, basis in law for them, international law, military law, or U.S. law. And the Supreme Court said, no, you've got to follow one of these laws. You can't just make up something willy-nilly. That's not your job, first of all. It's the Congress's job to pass laws. It's your job to execute the laws. Am I overstating it, or is that really the essence of what's happened here? Um, in a sense, you're overstating it. I mean, we had military tribunals. Uh, Nuremberg was, in fact, a tribunal. Uh, we tried Nazi uh, war uh, 
of Nazi prisoners who were captured here. But here's, here's the larger point, and I make this in my book. Uh, we have a huge number of really complex and difficult problems, as difficult in our history. Enemy combatants, Guantanamo, is one of them. But unfortunately, our government is broken, and therefore we cannot resolve these problems, and that is exactly what happened here with enemy combatants. What frustrates me and annoys me and, in fact, angers me, uh, we're a democracy. We believe in, uh, in being innocent until proven otherwise, and that hypocrisy is being used against us. And for those people who say, well, listen, these are really evildoers, they are really wicked, it's hard for me to believe that these guys are any more wicked than Tim McVeigh, who blew up the Murrow Building in 1995 and Oklahoma City killed 150 people, or Charlie Manson, or David Koresh. We have criminals who are just as wicked and just as dangerous, and we have ways of dealing with them. And what really frustrates me is that some percentage of the inmates in Guantanamo Bay were turned over for cash. They were sold into captivity by the Afghans because the Americans were paying $5,000 a head for potential Taliban without any kind of proof. And so some of these people, and it's probably a significant percentage, are innocent. And, you know, this is a thing that really is a huge stain on our, on our uh, national honor and needed to be fixed from the very beginning. And guys like Senator John McCain and General Colin Powell, who called off against the torture issue very strongly, uh, we needed to have a better system, and I think tribunals were not the way to go. We're, it was a legal way to approach it, and we failed to do that. We're talking to Dr. Harlan Ullman. He is the author of America's uh, Promise Restored, Preventing Cultural uh, Crusade and Partisanship from Wrecking Our Nation. Uh, Dr. Ullman, I want to ask you two more real quick questions about Guantanamo Bay. If I'm overstating the case, and there's been military tribunals before, like in Nuremberg, yeah. uh, then, you know, there's the other side of an argument that, hey, look, it's just a military tribunal. What's the big deal? What are you guys getting all worked up over? Well, the big deal is that the administration did this in splendid isolation and didn't ask anybody. The problem is we have to have oversight. And if the administration had gone out of its way and brought in other people, um, then we could have worked something out that really had joint support and that had oversight by the courts. But the United States looks not only foolish, but it plays into the hands of our enemies when we actually abrogate all the safeguards of the Constitution because these people are so-called terrorists. Okay, it's I a great recruiting poster for al-Qaeda. I think there's some chance we're splitting hairs then because, I mean, the, the legal way to do it is to consult Congress, and they didn't do it the legal way. They did it out, basically, what I would say, outside of the law. And you're saying they, you know, that military tribunals are possible if they do it the right way, but they didn't do it the right way, and that's what the Supreme Court decided. And the issue here, I mean, we, you can have a fine debate over the legality. There's a strong case, I think a stronger case to be made that it was not legal. You can argue the other side. This is a political issue, and politics here are crucial. You have to get the U.S. government, that is, all branches aboard. You have to get the American people. You can't do these things in secrecy. Richard Nixon, during Watergate, you probably may not remember, argued that Watergate was part of national security because we were afraid, he was afraid, that if a lot of this stuff got out, it was going to be detrimental over Vietnam. And so, therefore, he made the same claims as did the Bush administration over this kind of national you. security umbrella. Didn't work then, not going to work now. Dr. Olman, i got to ask you. So sure. An answer that I haven't gotten really from anybody, and I'd love it if, uh, if you had one, I, and it's <laughs> apparently a tough question, uh, which is, what are we supposed to do with the guys at Guantanamo Bay? Court martial seems kind of, seems kind of out of place. It's not like I, they, simple answer. Answers. Simple answer. Okay. Put them in the U.S. penal system. Really? We deal. We dealt with Tim McVeigh. We dealt with Charlie Manson. We dealt with these villains. But absolutely. But these guys didn't really break any laws. They were just fighting against. Oh, us. I don't agree with that. I think that you can say. I think that there are a whole series of what laws did Hitler? 
break? What laws did Goring and all those guys I support? Know, what if they are, and I suspect that a lot of them are, from my understanding, is they were simply soldiers, in, in a matter of speaking, fighting against the U.S. when we invaded Afghanistan. Terrific. Then we would have to make the case why they are being held. And if it turned out that we did not have a strong case, then they ought to be let go. And the Supreme Court just reaffirmed it. It said... The, is the war over? I mean, is it time to repatriate uh, soldiers on the other side? I mean, I, I, do, I think it's a really difficult question. I, I'm, I'm a little hesitant in letting these uh, guys go if they are soldiers, because what's to stop them from coming, going back to Afghanistan and restarting, rejoining the fight? That seems a little... You know, I'm a little worried that that doesn't make well, sense. Well, first of all, if we, we go back. Uh, the president says we, we're at war. Well, if we're at war, why don't we declare it? Why don't we act that way? Second, when is this war going to end? In 50 years, 100 years? Because there's no timetable. If we have any kind of a case against these guys, and remember, we got Al Capone on income tax evasion when this guy was a murderer and a real villain. If we have really good charges that we can show that these people are, in fact, dangerous, make them in a court of law and show that American democracy works. Do if you not, think any of them might have evaded their taxes? Um, I think some of them could have been had up on, on uh, violations of the Geneva Convention. We may not get them for murder and killing American forces, but we certainly can get them for violation of international law, international standards, which is something that you can try in the U.S. court system. It makes us look better. It requires the case. This notion that we're going to spill sensitive information, I think, is just misplaced. That information is so old, it's three or four years old right now. Supreme Court issued a resounding rebuke to the Bush administration yesterday. It was a smackdown for the uh, the Bush administration's arrogant, damaging, embarrassing, ignorant belief that it is above the above the law, and that the things like the Geneva Conventions don't apply to America because we're so virtuous as a nation. Uh, joining us on the phone is a lawyer who has been directly involved in the fight for human rights and uh, the dignity of prisoners at Guantanamo. Her name is Gitanjali Gutierrez, and she is an attorney with the Guantanamo Global Justice Initiative at the Center for Constitutional Rights, and she joins us on the phone this morning. Uh, Gitanjali, thanks for joining us. Thank you. Uh, what's your reaction to the ruling? We, we're thrilled. It, uh, it certainly is a happy Friday. Many of uh, the attorneys that we're involved with have been speaking about the decision, and it is uh, it, it is a powerful slam down for the Bush administration's assertion of unreviewable executive power and for the things that they've been doing in Guantanamo Bay. Uh, many of us were also calling our, our clients' families yesterday who were also just uh, filled with joy about the decision. I, I know that you were the, as far as I know, the first civilian attorney to ever visit a client at Guantanamo back in 2004, right? Right. I, well, I was the first attorney to go down as part of the uh, litigation 
on the habeas petitions. Mm -hmm. uh, there were some military commission lawyers who had gone down, but the attorneys that are representing the 500 men down there in litigation challenging their detention, for that group, uh, the visit started in 2004, and I went down and met with some of the British detainees. From the circumstances of, of the way that lawyers involved with prisoners there are able to communicate with them, with the frequency of visits and all of these things, what do you know about, uh, do we know that the prisoners at Guantanamo even know about the ruling yet? Do we know anything about what kind of information they personally have? Well, uh, at this point, the only thing that we do know is that Charlie Swift, who is the military defense lawyer for Mr. Hamdan, was able to speak to his client by phone yesterday and share the decision with him. I, I saw some news articles reporting that, and Mr. Hamdan was, I, uh, quoting Charlie, awestruck by the fact that the United States Supreme Court stepped in and upheld the rights of a little man like him, which is something that, coming from his country, he's not familiar with. Yeah. We, we actually, uh, I think we have a clip, a quote from uh, Charlie Swift yesterday outside the Supreme Court hearing. He was talking about what he saw as the importance of this ruling and the fact that it was uh, such, a, such a rebuke to the Bush administration. Trent, do you have that clip? It's a return to our fundamental values, and that return marks a high water point in American history. It means that we can't be scared out of who we are. And that's victory, folks. So a very inspiring statement to hear from him, that we can't be scared out of who we are. Do you think the fact that he's told his client uh, about the results of the ruling means that the word will spread throughout the facility, hopefully? Hopefully it will. Um, and, and I think this is a turning point that um, these men are, are painfully aware that they've been held outside the law. Um, when I went down in September of 2004 and shared the news of the, of the center's case, Rasul v. Bush, where the Supreme Court said that the men are entitled to go into federal court and challenge the legality of their detention. Mm -hmm. The morale is very high among the prisoners. Uh, many of them, the majority of them, were not fighting against the United States and never engaged in hostilities, so they've just been trapped down there. So they're very, very hopeful. And two years later, habeas hearings in federal court have not occurred, and the men are feeling hopeless. Mm -hmm. uh, there are a group of lawyers, myself included, who will be going down next week and meeting with a number of clients and sharing with them the decision of the Supreme Court and discussing with them the direct impact of that decision on their cases that have been pending in federal court for some of them up to two years now. Does the ruling say what kind of trials, what kind of tribunals, what kind of proceedings the guys who are currently being held at Guantanamo, does it say what kind of proceedings they should have, or does it just say that the current military tribunal system is illegal? I think it does two things. One, it says that the current military tribunal system that the president has created through a series of ad hoc executive orders doesn't comply with the laws of war. And as you said, the, the court identified the laws of war as being the Uniform Code of Military Justice, the Geneva Conventions, and the historical laws of war that are well established. So it said that the commissions don't apply to that. You can't make up stuff. you got to pull yourself within the rule of law. The second part, once we pull ourselves within the rule of law and we get our country back on track, we have the laws we need already to deal with any of the men in Guantanamo, from, from someone, from one of the ten who may be accused of violating the laws of war, all the way to the men who've been found to be innocent and not enemy combatants who've been stuck down there for years. And we have a court-martial system. 
that is set up for military criminal trials for people who violated the laws of war. Mm -hmm. We have a very robust criminal justice system to violate acts of terrorism. We've seen many terrorism prosecutions in the last year. We're able to do that. Um, The military justice system also has mechanisms under the Geneva Conventions and Army Regulations to um, have a hearing and detain people who may be civilians but present a security risk. So even someone who might be a a guerrilla fighter or a terrorist can still be detained um, under the existing military proceedings. So we don't need to make anything up. Yeah, and that's the, I mean, the thing that's been so, I think, hard to understand if you don't have a political analysis of the Bush administration kind of just making a major power grab through the lens of the war on terror. The thing that's been hard to explain is why, if we have a court-martial system, if there are already military tribunals that that have been established in American law, if there is a whole criminal justice system that we've had for more than, you know, for hundreds of years in this country and seems to be working fine with, with all of these existing systems, why they would go to the trouble of setting up this new system, this untested system that it's not a huge surprise, I think, was ruled unconstitutional constitutional since they made it up out of whole cloth. I mean, I'm wondering, given that only, I I think, 10 of the prisoners at Guantanamo have even gone through one of these fake court rulings, one of these tribunal rulings, if there's going to be any different impact on those 10 who've gone through the system and versus the 400 something who haven't. I think there will be. Those those 10 have had um, some kinds of charges brought against them, although I, I think if people look at the decision from the Supreme Court yesterday, it's clear some of those charges are, were made up and, can, and are, are actually not legal. Um, but what it means for the rest of the men is that uh, they all have habeas petitions, uh, the Great Writ of Habeas Corpus, which um, is a legal mechanism that allows people who've been historically detained by the king and thrown into prison without any trial or hearing to come forward in a civilian, not a criminal proceeding, but come forward in a civilian proceeding in federal court and ask the government to tell them why they're being detained Mm -hmm. and give them an opportunity to say, you know, actually, I was um, I was just uh, running a, a, a little stall in a market in Afghanistan, or in fact, I was picked up in Bosnia and the Gambia, um, or any of one of the many countries where people were picked up, and I wasn't in Afghanistan at all. One of the reasons why the president has, is trying to make something up is because from the very, very beginning, when these men were kidnapped or arrested or seized, um, we stepped out of the, we stepped out of the laws of war and traditionally during an armed conflict if someone's captured on the battlefield and swept up um, our soldiers can go in and clean out a village if they need to and they may grab people by mistake normally historically there's a quick field hearing that separates the soldiers from the innocent civilians hmm. and that never happened during the Afghanistan armed conflict so hmm. we swept up people and then we started picking up people all over the world and they wound up in Guantanamo which is why they're not eligible for a criminal trial or they're not eligible for a court martial because they should have never been there in the first place because they should still be retroactively eligible for that field hearing five years ago that would have cleared them in the first place right and now we need to move into federal court President Bush has been saying that he can't move forward with habeas hearings because he's waiting for the Hamdan decision. Well, you know what, President Bush, it came down yesterday, and we're ready to move forward. Yeah. Hope next week that we'll start seeing the habeas litigation um, start to resolve some of these questions. Uh, Gitanjali, I just have one other question for you, and that is uh, we already had a a, a snap decision yesterday from the White House uh, spokesman from Tony Snow saying that uh, clearly this decision from the court means that Guantanamo does not have to be shut down. do you believe that this decision has any implications for for Guantanamo existing, for, for whether or not the, the facility has to be shut down altogether? 
Absolutely. There's there's no question about it. The government's trying to put a spin on it. But the one of the fundamental rulings in the, in the court's decision yesterday was that common Article Three of the Geneva Conventions is binding upon the court, gives rights to the men, and that provision of law requires that um, states cannot commit violence to life in person, including including cruel treatment and torture, hmm. that there cannot be outrages upon personal dignity or humiliating and degrading treatment. Um, there can't be sentences such as detaining people for almost four, five years of detention without a proper hearing and trial. All of these things are happening in Guantanamo. The religious humiliation, the interrogation practices, simply detaining people indefinitely, the International Committee of the Red Cross has found is tantamount to torture. So the entire system in Guantanamo, I think, is, is deeply called into question. Well, if, by the whole, the if the whole purpose of Guantanamo is to set up a system whereby detainees, prisoners of the United States government, can be held outside of legal proceedings, outside of the reach of the courts, outside of the reach of, reach, the reach of any hearing that could potentially prove their innocence, then it de facto violates Article 3 of the Geneva Convention. And if the Supreme Court says, hey, we still have to follow that, we're still a signatory to that convention, then it does mean that Guantanamo needs to shut down. And I don't even think you need a law degree to understand that. Absolutely. Gitanjali, congratulations uh, and uh, good luck in making this thing stick. I know they've been trying to squirm out of the 2004 decision that you played a role in achieving for the the rights of the prisoners at Guantanamo. And uh, they've been squirming out of that ever since. I hope that they will not be able to squirm out of this one. And uh, I'm happy to talk to you this morning. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. Gitanjali Gutierrez is uh, an attorney at the Guantanamo a global justice initiative with the Center for Constitutional Rights, the first civilian attorney to visit a client at Guantanamo back in September 2004. Uh, she now advises the hundreds of pro bono attorneys who are working with the Center for Constitutional Rights about what to expect when they make the trip down into the legal black hole that we have set up in Cuba in order to keep prisoners outside of the U.S. court system. The Supreme Court's trying to put a stop to it. Let us make sure that this one sticks. In mid afternoon, cause that's when it all hurts the most. A dream I never know anyone at the party, and I'm always the host. If dreams are like movies, then memories are films about ghosts. You can never. Here is your first quote. As a judicial smoke signal to the president, it's a whopper. That was Dahlia Lithwick writing in Slate about what whopper of a judicial decision Thursday. They decided that the Guantanamo Bay, that George Bush acted outside his authority. Exactly right. Known as the Hamdan decision handed down by the Supreme Court. As you said, the Supreme Court disallowed military tribunals for inmates at Guantanamo Bay. They said the military also had to observe the Geneva Conventions. They also said that Dick Cheney really needs to lose weight, that Bush from now on must pronounce nuclear correctly, (laughs) and that if everybody in the White House is not in bed by 10, there will be no juice boxes tomorrow. They were harsh. They were harsh on the administration. The president reacted to the decision by saying, I can't hear you over and over. (laughs) I I, I like that Bush said uh, that he was going to 
follow what the Supreme Court said. I just thought that was good to clear that up. Yeah. He did. He came out and he said that, and he also said, I'll tell you what I'm not going to do. I'm not, I'm not going to let killers out on the street. Well, that's reassuring. Yeah. He had a lot of thoughts that almost seemed not related. Uh, <laughs> One of the interesting things about the case that didn't get a, a tremendous amount of publicity was that, of course, there were eight judges ruling. It was right. like five to three because Justice, or Chief Justice Roberts had to withdraw because it was his decision that they were considering. In other words, he wrote the decision that they overturned. Now, that's going to make things awkward yeah. around the vending machines at oh, the yeah. Supreme Court, is it not? Yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah. I don't think they're going to be zipping one another up yeah. in those rows. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening, everybody. I'm pushing right up against my time limit, so I've got to be quick. I just want to say, if I had known what this week's shows were looking like last Friday, I would have warned you in advance, because this is, I think, the single most uh, solid week of shows I've ever done. Uh, you know, I, I've done a, a best show ever in the past, but this is the best week ever, I think. So if, if there's ever been a week to not miss a single show, this is it. Uh, especially Friday. Friday's a very important show, I think. So I just wanted to get that out real quick. Please visit the website, bestoftheleftpodcast.com. Yes, the address works again. And uh, there is an award ceremony going on. So head to the website and learn all the details about that. I would appreciate everyone's help to the ends of the earth. Have a good one, everybody. The anti-Bush press makes terrorists... Their interests are not your interests. Their truth is not your truth. The corporations have their media. Now we have ours. The Progressive Podcast Network. Now we are the media. Listen to your media. Take your country back. Go to newmediarevolution.org. The Progressive Podcast Network. Newmediarevolution.org.